we had a Holocaust Remembrance Dinner, and uh, some folks from the Jewish Affinity Group of Piedmont were there with us. Uh, great turnout. I was so proud of our church. I think it was about 50-50 in terms of church members and um, people from that group. And I think God was just smiling. I think heaven was rejoicing. Uh, especially in today's time, I, what a week this has been. <laughs> I mean, it's almost hard to take it all in, isn't it? Just uh, one thing after another. And so I think as the church, whatever we can do to bring people together is a good thing. Uh, it, it's a small thing, but the small things make a difference. So thanks to all of you who came, and um, boy, they were so appreciative. I must have had 30 people come up and thank me uh, for joining with them to remember, uh, of course, that horrible event in our history. So thank you. Uh, it was a good night. I also um, just want to say that um, whatever we can do to fight what's the racism and the prejudice that's going on in our country is a good thing. God is for that, no doubt. Well, today we continue this series on um, giving, and a very important series. Today, we're going to look at a pass- two passages of Scripture from the Old Testament. One is from Malachi. Malachi was an Old Testament prophet. Prophets were people used by God to speak, oftentimes, hard words to the people of God. And most of the time, they were used to call people back to God, uh, just like us. The Israelites often strayed from God, and God had to continually call them back, just as he does with us. So this is a passage where Malachi really is calling the people of Israel back to God, and uh, prophets were used to inject new life into the people of God, um, a spiritual life. So I'll read from Malachi and then uh, Proverbs. First from Malachi. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, (laughs) how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes? And in offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And then from Proverbs, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will be brim over with new wine. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us today. God, we pray that uh, you would speak to us today through this scripture and through the meditations of my heart. I pray that our hearts would be open 
and our minds would be open to what you have to say to us today. Uh, Through the mystery and the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, speak a word to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There was a man who had been uh, just recently attending our church. This is another church, not this church. Uh, relatively to the, new to the church uh, in general. And he, after a few weeks, he came up to me after worship, and he started telling me his, his story. He told me that he had just left a pre, another church. He liked it pretty well, uh, but decided that they were a cult, <laughs> or at least a little out there, <laughs> to the point that he didn't uh, feel comfortable primary reason he came to this conclusion was that the pastor gave a message and challenged the congregation to give 10% of their money back to God. 10% of their income to God. This guy was just incredulous. He couldn't believe it. Just could not believe something so ridiculous. Just seemed crazy to him. Why would anybody do that? You know, that was uh, a number of years later. The guy ended up leaving our church, which I knew he would. (laughs) (laughs) When I started preaching about money, my prayer was that maybe his heart would be changed, but it wasn't. Interestingly enough, a few years after that, the last time I saw him, he was a broken man. He had to declare bankruptcy. He lost his home, his business, and he moved out of the area, humiliated. Interesting to me that oftentimes when people have trouble hearing about money and giving, it's because they have an issue with some kind of issue with money, just like I think this guy did. And I have to admit that it sounds kind of crazy to preach to people today that they should give 10% of their income away to do God's work in the world. It does sound kind of nuts. And it sounded kind of nuts to me at one point in my life, I have to say. It was even difficult for me to preach about it for some years. But I've been convinced over the years that what God has to say about money and giving is sound and good advice, and it's good for us. As you have probably uh, guessed by now, I'm going to talk about money today, and specifically about giving. What we do with our money, as I have said before, is one of the most important decisions we make in life. And it tells us so much about our hearts. Uh, And that's why Jesus taught so much about money. You know, I was thinking about, if I preached as much about money as Jesus taught about money, probably about 30 to 35% of Sundays would be spent on money. So, I'm just the messenger. (laughs) My job is to tell you what God's word says about giving and money. This is not my opinion. I'm trying to figure out what God is telling us in his word about money. So if if you have problems with it, go talk to God. (laughs) So, I'm often asked by people, 
who are new to the church, or even people who have, have been coming to the church for a long time, or grown up in the church maybe, uh, what does it mean to be generous? How much money do we give? Or how much does God ask us to give? Really important question. I got an email this week, great email, that was asking me that exact question. And I can tell you, I can't tell you exactly. <laughs> but I think God gives us some guidelines. And in this passage, we definitely hear some guidelines about what it means to give and how much God wants us to give. Our passage today from the book of Malachi, as I said, is one of the many places in the Old Testament that talks about uh, giving. Malachi was a prophet. And after hearing that passage, you can probably realize prophets had a hard life <laughs> because they spoke the hard word to God's people, uh, even if it wasn't very pop popular. And Malachi was calling the people of God back to God. They had become complacent in their spiritual lives and their obedience to God. Even more importantly, their hearts had strayed away from God. So Malachi is challenging them to come back to God. And the first issue, I think this is so interesting. The first issue he brings up is giving and money. Isn't that interesting? If you think that's interesting, nod your head. <laughs> I think it's fascinating. He doesn't say pray more. There are other prophets that, that say that. He doesn't say, love one another more. So many things he could have said. But what God says is, you know what? You're robbing me. You're not giving back to me to show your love to me. Um, he brings up what they're doing with their money. As I've said before, money is a spiritual issue. That's why it's so important, and here we see it. What you do with your money has so much to say about your heart and what you value and what you care about. It's a spiritual issue. That's why Jesus said in the passage last week, where your treasure is, where your money is, there your heart will go also. He wasn't just saying that where we put our treasure or our money will affect our hearts, although that is certainly true. Jesus was saying that where our money goes, our heart follows. That's just fascinating. In other words, if you want your heart to be seeking God, then send your money to him first and your heart will follow. That's what it says. So this is what Malachi is saying. If you want your spiritual life renewed, in fact, he says, I want your spiritual life renewed. I want you to return to God. So the first thing you do is by giving 10% of your earnings to God and your heart will follow. So interesting. You know, in the Old Testament, let me give you a little background on this. In the Old Testament, the people gave to all kinds of worthy causes. They gave to the government. They gave to family members who needed help. Remember, people in this time, so many were very poor, living from day to day. They gave to all kinds of worthy causes. They gave uh, to family members who needed help, to the poor. Tithing 
what Malachi is talking about here was what they gave to the temple. The temple was the place of worship. It was the place where those who were hurting could come and heal. It was a place where people of all ages were taught the word of God and how to live a life that is pleasing to God. The temple was the primary place where the seeds of faith were planted and nourished. Now, a storehouse was owned by the temple, and the people would bring their first fruits. Remember, this is an agricultural uh, culture. They would bring their first fruits, and they would be stored in the storehouse and then distributed to the poor. God always cares about the poor. And so the first fruits were also given to support the priests and the Levites, uh, kind of equivalent to our church staff, the people who kind of ran the temple and taught, guided people in their spirituality. And then part of the first fruits were given to meet the expenses of the temple, pay the electricity, (laughs) the gas, those sorts of things. And when God says through the prophet Malachi, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, first fruits, this is what he's referring to. Now, I would venture to say that today's equivalent to the temple is the church. And as I have said many times, miraculously, God's primary vehicle to redeem the world is the church, believe it or not. It is primarily here where the seeds of faith are planted in people's lives. Not the only place, but the primary, where people grow in their faith, where kids are baptized, and people are married, and people are buried, or where there's memorials. This is what I love about the church. It's so much of life, isn't it? As a community, we go through life together. It is here where the hurt can come and heal. This is your spiritual family. And the church is only supported by the people in the church. You know, I I think it's a miracle every year. I have seen a miracle as a pastor for many years that every stewardship season, people make their pledges, they bring their their fruits, say, I'm going to give so much, and a budget is raised. Every year we start at zero. And the people of God, you, raise the money that's needed. The government doesn't give us money. You know, there are some countries where the government gives their state churches. That's horrible, by the way. The people give. And so next week, we will come and we'll say, okay, we're going to raise this money this year. And by faith, it's really faith, isn't it? every year that we raise the money and we do the things that we feel God is calling us to do. So, what guidelines do we learn about giving from this passage? I'm going to be very straightforward and just tell you what I think here. Um, You're going to hear these every year, by the way. The three Ps (laughs) are giving should be priority giving. Our giving should always be priority Our passage from Proverbs says today, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, just as it does in Malachi. What this means is the very first thing that we give in our lives, the first priority 
is giving back to God the very first portion of your income. In other words, just like what Steve was saying, it's the first check that you write and you trust that God's going to provide. You see where it's a spiritual issue? Priority giving isn't putting together your budget and waiting to see if there's anything left over (laughs) and then giving it to God. That's called leftover giving. (laughs) Don't give God your leftovers. Give God your first fruits. Well, why is this important? I think because writing that first check every month or seeing the automatic withdrawal on your statement, it's a way of helping to keep God as the priority in your life, just like the people of Israel in Malachi. It reminds us that God is number one in our lives, in our hearts, and not anything else, our material possessions or our pursuit of money or whatever it might be. Very important insight here. Your standing of, standard of giving determines your standard of living. Do you see that? I'm going to say that again because it's really important. Your standard of giving determines your standard of living. In other words, what you decide to give may determine what kind of vacation you have or whether to buy that new car next year. Do you see what I'm saying? Very different way of approaching things. Also, when we put God first, it is a statement not only of priority, but also trust. God, I am writing this check, trusting that you will provide, which is really at the heart of giving. The second thing is percentage giving, the second P. Clear that God says here, a tithe is what is important. Now, sometimes people don't really understand what a tithe is. Tithe means one-tenth. So if you give 2%, you're not tithing. You're giving 2% or 5%. People often ask, why 10%? That seems kind of crazy. That seems like a lot. Why not 1%? (laughs) Well, let me give you a different way to think about this. I think I said this last year, but it's a good illustration, so I'm going to use it again. What if somebody came up to you on the street and said, you know what? I'm going to give you a million dollars. Every year, I will give you a million dollars for the rest of your life. The only stipulation is you give 10% of that million dollars every year to God's work in the world. 10%. Is that a pretty good deal? I'd take that deal. Scott, would you take that deal? (laughs) Scott's a smart man. 10%? That's a good deal. You see, one of the basic ideas of stewardship is what? I said it last week and probably the week before. All that we have in life is a gift from God. And so when God says, you know what? I've given you all these things as we are reading uh, that first hymn today, just listing all the gifts that God gives us. I thought, wow, God gives us so much. And he says, now I want you to take 10% of your income and give it back to God's work in the world. 
This is the generosity that God has shown us. And so he says, here's what I want you to do. Now, I want you to think, if, if this seems so crazy, think of what the world would be like <laughs> if everybody did this. Think of that. If we all gave 10%, to the work of God in the world, to the things that God cares about. Wow. Think of what could be done with that money. Clean water for everyone in the world. World hunger, we could eradicate it. Hospitals could be built. Universities could be established. You know, there was a time when churches did this. I'm Presbyterian. You know, that's the denomination to which I've been, under which I've been ordained. Do you know Princeton University was started by the Presbyterian Church? Harvard by the Congregational Church? Brown? Yale? All started by the church. Occidental College, Lewis and Clark College, all Presbyterian schools... Think of all the hospitals around that are named after churches. That's how people used to give. You don't see it so much anymore. But think, just if Christians in America gave 10%, what we could do, both here and around the world. Think about this. What would our church be like if we actually did this, I don't think we'd ever have to have a capital campaign to fix our buildings. Do you? We'd have enough just to take care of them. Think of the ministries that we could have to kids. Think of the money that we could give away to places in Oakland who are reaching out to the poor and the addicted, the lost, the least, and the last. Think about that to the homeless. Just this church. I'm, I don't know what our budget would be, but I'm guessing it would be more than what we're giving right now. Because I've looked at the numbers, and I think we probably are about average. The average church member in America usually gives about 2% of their income. That's about where we are, I think. I think our budget would probably be upwards to seven, eight million dollars. I'm guessing, I don't know for sure. But boy, we'd have more than enough to really make a difference in our community, in our, our local uh, area, in our world, wouldn't we? Now, you may say that is a good deal. I agree that if we all gave, it'd be really different, but I, I can't imagine getting to the point where I could give 10%. And I can understand that. I felt the same way in my life. I was not raised in the church. I was listening to Steve, and I thought, wow, what a gift, Steve, to grow up in a church in a family like that, where you had that modeled. I didn't have, I didn't know, man, I, even after, I, you know what's funny? I didn't learn anything about giving in seminary. <laughs> and I never really learned about it in the church. 
You know, people always say, oh, the church, all it talks about is money. I, I went to church for a long time and really, never really heard a sermon like this where it was really just plain, simple talk about what God wants us to do. It wasn't until I was a pastor that I really started thinking about giving. My wife, fortunately, she grew up in the church. Every week she took a quarter or something to Sunday school. But I didn't have that. So I had to learn. And I realized, boy, we, our giving was not anywhere near what, what we should be doing. So I said, okay, God, we'll start where we are and we'll start increasing it 1% a year. Maybe that's what you need to do. Figure out where you are. How can I grow in my, in my giving? I mean, you can't go from 1% to 10% in one year, most likely. But you could probably go to 3%. Or 4%. If you tithe, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Test me on this, says God. You know, nowhere else in scripture that I know of does God say, test me on this. (laughs) Test me on this and see what happens. It's about trust and about growing in our relationship with God. We'll never really know God's trustworthiness until we trust him with our money. The third P is progressive. Many of us have probably given the same amount to the church every year for the past 30 years. (laughs) Just doesn't change. We don't think about it. And one of the beauties of stewardship, at least I hope this happens, is that you sit and you prayerfully consider, what is God calling me to give this year? Because chances are, your income increased this last year. You know, I, the thing about preaching on this for a month is I think about it for a month. <laughs> and I look at my own life. And I think about my giving. And boy, I, I tell you, this year I, I've thought, you know, I th- we need to increase our giving. Our income has gone up. I, interesting, you know, Leslie and I make more money than I ever would have imagined. <laughs> and it's time, you know, that we continue to grow in our giving. So every year we should look and think, you know, I gave this last year. Is that still proportional? Is it still percentage, or do I have to increase it? Funny thing about giving, and see, this is where you can't really say what's generous. For some of us, 10% isn't generous. We give 10%. This isn't our situation. We give 10%, it doesn't, we don't even feel it. It's not sacrificial. So you remember, giving should also be sacrificial. And the funny thing is, the wealthier people give or get, the less they give percentage-wise. Isn't that interesting? Surveys have shown that. They, they make 100 bucks and they think, ah, oh, 10 bucks, that's not so bad. They make a million dollars and they think, $100,000, wow, that's a lot of money. But this is what God calls us to, to continue to grow in our giving. I want to close with some good news. And this is really all good news. There is grace, there is joy, there is freedom 
When we do what God has instructed us to do with our money, it's good for us, it's good for the church. You know, show me a generous church, and I'll show you a church that's alive and dynamic, where God is moving, both inside the church and outside the church. You know, funny thing, sometimes people think, well, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't trust what pastors say about giving. Somehow they're going to benefit from giving. Like, I'm, the money's going to come, and it's going to go in my pocket. You know, that doesn't happen. I may benefit a little bit if our budget grows, but I'll tell you what, pastors never get huge raises. <laughs> giving goes up 30%. I'm not going to get 30% more next year. I don't benefit. You know who benefits? The church benefits. You're the church. So when you give, you benefit yourself. How's that for thinking? And the world benefits. You know, I've been preaching about this for years, and I always have people telling me, keep preaching about it. And I have a folder of letters and notes from people who have tested God on this. And their stories about how God has blessed, sometimes materially, just the way God has taken care of them. Sometimes spiritually. Sometimes their whole life just is blessed. They said, Steve, keep preaching it. It's true. I have a friend who is very wealthy. 25 years ago, he heard me preach on this. He's so wealthy that last time I saw him, I did his daughter's wedding a few months ago. He was telling me he just bought a jet. And he got his license to fly it around for his business. 25 years ago, he heard these sermons. And he started doing this. I don't think it's hurt him too bad. Do you, financially? And he wrote me a note and he said, Steve, I want to thank you for having the guts to preach about tithing and about giving. He said, this has brought me great joy and has changed my life. And I want to encourage you, keep doing it. It's the truth. Test me on this, says God, and see what I do. Amen.